The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This week's major spoilers podcast, sort of a weekend type edition, depending on when you are, where you are, and whether you're from the future people, is brought to you by Jonathan Chia. Russ Cat and Daniel Purcell, faithful spoilerites all. The Warriors 3 of Apocalypse, stepping across the thing to the other thing and framming, statting, and renuberating, and all and like that. And this one goes out to them. Or something. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, podcast, the Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Welcome, 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 everyone, to the very last Major Spoilers Podcast for 2011. Should old acquaintance be Thank you for downloading and listening, even though I'm going to bet most of you... I'm going to bet most of you are downloading this in 2012. Hello, future people. How is 2012 treating you? You know you've only got 10 months to live. Isn't it October? It's December. Oh, is it December? No. Most of you will kill yourself ahead of time, so. Steven! What? Well, then they can't enjoy our post-apocalypse party on the 22nd of December. (laughs) That just means I don't have to buy Christmas presents for people next year. Yay! Soon. Oh, too soon? Okay. Anyway. Maybe some of you are listening to this in post-apocalyptic uh, zombie land. Yeah. And, post- and by post-apocalyptic zombie-, zombie land, we mean your apartment in Dayton. <laughs> Hello, future people, and we know you are out there. Robert Kirkman was an image comics uh, guy who wrote comic books back in the year 2011 and also had to poop. <laughs> You guys have to listen to last week or to a Wednesday's episode, the previous Wednesday's episode, episode, episode 370 to find out what the, as, that was about. This is episode 371. Do. Holy cow. We will make it to 400 11th episodes. anniversary of the 360. <laughs> Matthew is actually drunk this week. <laughs> I heard him popping beers earlier. And the sad thing is it's not good beer. It's like Keystone Light. How really, dare you? <laughs> Keystone, how dare you? First of all, if I were going to lower myself to beer, A, I don't have enough money. I That's why I said Keystone Light. That. Anybody can afford Keystone Light. I even Rob. I don't possess enough money to, no, even Keystone, even Milwaukee Beast. You, I don't have enough money to, to, and to foul the temple that is the body of the mighty King Cobra uh, with beer. Uh, Oh, whatever, man. I have to tell you about I when Matthew was in know. college and his drunken days and drunken I, ramblings. Blah, 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 blah. Hey, I got a hey. question for you. A question right. this week. Well, I've got a couple of questions. The first one is, um, is it a problem letting characters in comics age? Should they age? Should they not age? I mean, here we've got Archie, who's basically been frozen in high school since the 1920s and 30s. 1940s, yeah. And we're only now seeing what happens after graduation, right, in these uh, Life with Archie series. Uh, We see some characters die, Mr. Weatherby and all that kind of stuff. Uh, We have seen, in some cases, Superman get older in uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Um, But for the most part, Batman stays at 35. You know, Wolverine is 28. Kitty Pride will always be 12 years old. She's 15. Whatever. <laughs> the problem, and th- this is a real problem, um, as, you know, for me, the closest thing to my comic book fixation is probably professional wrestling. 
Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a similarity in costuming, in naming. You know, oh, there's sure. a similarity in the cyclical nature of the stories being told. Right. And professional wrestling and its, you know, its feminine cousin soap operas do basically the same thing the comics do with the added caveat that characters age. Mm-hmm. And as characters age, it makes for different stories. But I think that, you know, as comic book readers, especially in the last 15 years, we have become accustomed to not believing that anything is going to stick. Right. The Human Torch isn't going to stay dead. You of know? course not. The, the, the multiverse isn't going to go away. And the reason why is because we demand that things go back to the way we like them. Mm-hmm. Somebody demanded that Barry Allen come back as the Flash. Somebody demanded that, you know, Reed Richards and the Fantastic Four be reunited. Somebody demanded that, you know, Peter Parker's marriage be returned to what it was in 1973. But you know, at least Peter Parker, in his entire time since he's been Spider-Man these last 60 years or whatever it's been, he has gone from, he's gone from high schooler to college kid to professional he's gone from, career person. But you see, and if you read the the piece that I did for the site about six months ago, the Franklin Richards right, paradox, right, right. you will note that most of Peter Parker's aging took place in the first six or seven years of the Marvel Universe mm-hmm, before Franklin came Pete's, along. Yeah, Pete started in 1961 as roughly 16 years old. He graduated high school before the 70s were out, and by 1973 was a perpetual grad student. But but, you know, the thing is, and I and the Marvel paradox, the Franklin Richards paradox is is one whole conversation that we've had both on the show and, and listeners can go over to the Majorspoilers.com website and read that uh, article mm-hmm. that that's one thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, part of it is I grew up with Batman as Bruce Wayne and Bruce Wayne will always be Batman, even if they kill him and Dick becomes Batman or Tim Tim Drake, who's the natural better Batman, should become Batman. Don't mm-hmm. care. It's got to be Bruce Wayne. But right. on the other hand, and Rob, you jump in here. On the other hand, we have seen Bruce Wayne age. We do have something called Batman Beyond, where you get to see a crotchety old bastard leading but, a very cool Batman character. But yeah. that's the exception that proves the rule. That's Old Man Logan, that's, you know, Batman the Dark Knight Returns. That is a story designed to capitalize on the fact that characters in comic books don't age by aging the character and making it a novelty, making it part of the story, part of the hook, part of the shtick. But all those stories go over so well. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to the Batman Beyond example because that one is has actually become an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the cartoon lasted for what, two seasons, three seasons, uh, three or four seasons. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, so that was obviously a successful ongoing aged Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's got the, uh, well had the, well, it is still an ongoing, but it'll be in digital form first starting in February. I think it's coming back. Cool. Yeah. And, and it ran simultaneous with other portrayals of Batman. Right, that's true too. Act, active younger Batman stories. I don't remember if that was out at the same time as the Paul Dini regular. Yeah, it Bat was. Series, I mean, or if it on and off, on and off, it was. Yeah. Well, so, but I mean, we've seen we, Kingdom Come is an Elseworlds title. Basically, that's become. Yeah. I don't know. In continuity, out of continuity, fifty-two uh, new new relaunch, whatever. But I mean, we saw mm-hmm. older characters there, but that was kind of in the context of that story. Mm-hmm. But I mean, should. Should Batman age, Rob? Should we allow Wonder Woman to get to age gracefully? Should I mean we've done it with the Golden Age heroes? Yeah, they have do. I well, granted, I mean Alan Scott was old, and then he got the uh, Starheart, yeah, whatever it was, we and became young again. We have not allowed those characters to age well. We found ways to and make it so they didn't age exactly, and that again is an exception. That proves the rule because the Justice Society of America pointedly was not part of the initial wave of DC relaunch. Why? Because they were tied to a specific time frame. Right. And the fact that they are tied to that specific time frame is inherent to their being. These are characters who 
they came out of World War II and fighting Nazis, you know, especially in, you know, Captain America's case, in the case of the Justice Society, where it was all about we're going to beat up some Ratsies, that's an intrinsic part of those characters. It's sure. important to them that they be a part of World War II. Right. Had they not been locked to a specific time frame, you would see the same thing happen to them that happens to Iron Man. Remember, Iron Man was born out of the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And for about 10, 15 years, Iron Man was tied to Vietnam. And then we started getting further and further from Vietnam. And it, it's come to the point where I'm pretty sure that Iron Man now is tied to the tail end of or either the, the tail end War. of the Iraq conflict yeah. or the beginning of the, the Afghanistan conflict. Yeah. Because there's no other way to do it. He's tied to that war. He's tied to that, you know, that battle sequence that here we are in the jungle and or desert. So but basically it's, it's impossible. Basically, it's impossible to allow any comic character to ever age ever. It's not impossible. It's just not accepted. The fans don't like it. We don't like it because comic books are one of the places where. Well, OK, are you familiar with I believe it was as the world turns? Well, I was going to stick it in the comic book world and say Gasoline Alley. Well, I want to I want to hit a specific example on sure. As the World Turns. And I believe it was As the World Turns. Both As the World Turns and Guiding Light ended right. pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. The last episode scripted as written, the last episode was one of the oldest surviving characters. The only character who was on the first episode of As the World Turns several decades before was going to be the last person you saw on the last episode of As the World Turns. It was going to be that that chronology, that turning over of, you know, whatever happened that very first episode, she was a little girl or she was, you know, the young ingenue. Mm -hmm. And it the show was going to end with her blowing out a candle. I think it was the guiding light because they were blowing out a candle. Nonetheless, the actress passed away about a week or two before they would have recorded that the actress basically had uh, had an existence failure right and they couldn't do the clothes that they wanted the very last episode couldn't end the way it wanted because nancy hughes was dead the very one of the very first episodes and i want to say it was the first episode she had that first line the actress died before that could happen mm-hmm so they had to rewrite that last episode. In comics, that will never happen. Barry Allen was dead for 25 years. He was dead for just about as long as he was active, possibly longer. You know, but somebody wanted Barry Allen back. Somebody wanted to see, you know, we want more Barry Allen stories and we want Barry Allen to be core in this new universe that we're putting together. So as long as we as fans... Mm -hmm. who might someday become the writers and the editors and the managers and the owners of comic book companies that produce mm -hmm. this stuff, those characters will always be stuck in our formative year. But more than that, it's a good thing. Because you will never have a moment in a comic book where an Owen Hart falls from the ceiling of Kemper arena and dies. Sure. And, and you will never have a moment where that, that is final. You know, if, if the WWE were a comic book, Eddie Guerrero would have returned. Now Eddie Guerrero would be in a feud with the undertaker. And, you know, I don't want that to seem crass. I don't want that to seem, you know, shallow or in any way insulting, but comic books, in a way, allow us to be attached to these characters and tied to these characters who are very real. You know, if you say to somebody who's Bruce Wayne, they're not going to say, oh, he's he's a comic book character and he's the alter ego. No, you say to my daughter, who's Bruce Wayne? She'll go, he's Batman. Right. Who's Clark Kent? He's Superman. Mm -hmm. People don't separate these characters. Someday we are going to say William Shatner is gone. There will never be another story with the original Captain Kirk. Right. Or the original Mr. Spock. At this point in time, if they wanted to do the 14 Doctors, they couldn't do it 
without recasting or somehow digitally replacing three, possibly four doctors. I mean, if Matt Smith wants to meet one of his previous incarnations, he's kind of limited to the last three because all the ones before that, I don't know, you know, Colin Baker is a 65-year-old man. He's bald. He's heavy set. Tom Baker is 77 years old. He looks like somebody's grandfather. But if you were in a comic book, you wouldn't have that problem. Jay Garrett can be eternally the the running, you know, light speed grandpa. And Billy Batson can be 11 forever. And nobody has to deal with that ultimate mortality because we can always turn it around and we can say, no, it was a clone. It was a clone of his brother's robot LMD duplicate. And I think that's one of the reasons why resurrection in comics and the lack of aging in comics. Well, and again, there's always exceptions. And I, and I keep thinking back to Gasoline Alley where the strip started in like 1918 or something like that. Right. And except for one period of time where the aging was told to stop, where you couldn't age the characters, the characters actually aged over mm-hmm. time. So that, you know, Walt Wallet or whatever his name was, Uncle Walt, uh, was a young man, maybe even a boy, I don't remember, when the series mm-hmm. started. And I don't know if he's still alive or not in the current Gasoline Alley, but we saw him age to a away. very, very old man mm-hmm. in whatever whatever time period. I, I'm gonna, I'd have to go back and look and see. Uh, Walt Wallet had been retired. Doesn't say if he's alive or dead on the wiki page. Maybe Walt's wife died. Yeah, his wife yeah. died in 2004. Okay. But I mean, here's this thing where you actually let these characters progress and age and people who grew up with them get to see them age and, and all of this stuff. And I mean, I, I know that there's this timeless appeal to Charlie Brown and to Dagwood and to Batman and to Superman and Lex Luthor. But I look at something like Gasoline Alley and as a younger kid, uh, my grandparents had all of these, um, it was called the good old days, I think magazine. And they used to reprint the old Gasoline Alleys. And so I would go back and I was reading all these Gasoline Alleys from you know, the 1918, 1920, whatever it was, and reading them up through like the 1940s or 50s and seeing those mm-hmm. characters age. And I was like, oh, look, that that was a little kid. And now, look, he's a teenager. Now, look, he's an adult. And I, I always thought that was fascinating. They mm-hmm. tend to do that a lot more in comic strips, too. I mean, Gasoline Alley is yeah. a great example, but for better or worse, did that uh, Funky Winker yeah. Bean had mm-hmm. a... Ongoing and aging I characters, I think. Even even something as lightweight as the family circus, Grandpa died. Sure. And it was it was a but also Grandpa's ghost returning is one of the, you know, the returning family circus things. Again, I think that Gasoline Alley, by breaking the trope, actually underlines and supports the the reason why the characters don't necessarily age in real time simply because gasoline alley works partly because it's an exception you know in 1929 dagwood was a rich kid Mm -hmm. who gave up his money to marry blondie who was actually a a trampy little flapper from the wrong side of the tracks now in, in my lifetime blondie and dagwood have been nothing but you know the the kid next door the you know the middle aged couple who are boring and dull and have their things and run into the mailman and have sandwiches. But apparently mm, there was a time when Blondie was considered Blondie. The character was somewhat subversive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because she was, you know, she was a flapper. She was a dancer. She was possibly a woman of loose morals. And Dagwood gave up his family fortune to marry this, this lower station woman and kind of settled into his suburgatory. But I think that, again, it's a situation where, like the family circus, those kids don't age. Right. Never have. But if you actually... I I think it's actually more of a 50-50 for, like, newspaper strip comics about aging. Because, and even more recently, uh, Dave of Garfield has actually been allowed to have character progression and, like, what's the author's name? I can't... Jim, uh, uh, Jim, Jim Neighbors, Davis. Or whatever. Jim Davis. Yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim Davis. Davis has actually said, "No, I'm, I'm going to actually allow them to continue. I'm going to start telling a story instead of doing the strips." I, right. So, so bottom line, yes or no on aging, Rob? Rob, what do you say? I say yeah. So, so when Bruce age? Wayne dies, when he's Bruce too old Wayne to continue die. to be Batman, 
You're okay with Terry McGinnis stepping in and becoming Batman. Yes. You're or, okay with uh, <laughs> Skunky McWiener being over there becoming Batman. As long as the stories are being... <laughs> Kirkman! <laughs> Kirkman gotta be Batman! <laughs> as long as the stories being told are good, I'm perfectly fine with it. I don't think comic characters should age as quickly. Like mm-hmm. They shouldn't age in real time. Because the comic stories can't be told right, in real right. time. I mean, you get the monthly serials. It's just, it just doesn't work. Right. But Batman shouldn't be perpetually mid-30s or mm-hmm. late-20s or whatever he is. And I, I, I think he's younger than Dick Grayson at this point. <laughs> ah, he he should be... Wait, I, he should be older. He should be retiring. Yeah. Okay. Matthew, from you. I think... That any aging by a long-term uh, comics character, cartoon character in any case, but comics specifically, will be what they refer to as a topical reference. Where Peter Parker, you know, Peter Parker has had probably 30 or 40 Christmases in his 14 years since he's been Spider-Man. These are topical references. They're thrown mm-hmm. in to make the story seem like it's progressing. Right. I feel that it won't, not that it shouldn't, not that it can't, but it won't stay consistent simply because of the nature of the stories that we tell and the fact that seven months of serialized storytelling for Batman can take place in an afternoon. Yeah, in three days or whatever, sure. This is the complaint that I have about Marvel is, you know, it's been two years since Secret Invasion, yes, for us. It's been 24 issues, and it's probably been more than that since you wrote it, Brian Bendis, not mentioning any names. But now that we're revisiting Secret Invasion again and, you know, doing similar riffs, it's only been, you know, a few months for us in the Marvel Universe. It can't have been more than, what, 18 weeks, uh, a semester? Yeah, let's say half a year. Yeah. Yeah, we'll say six months. It's been six months since Civil War. It is not time for these characters to revisit it, and I feel like... Over 70 years, Batman has gone up and down from being, you know, 25 to being 29 to being 34 to being 29. Now I'd say he's back down to about 27, 28 again. There will be a time five or six years down the line when they want an older paternal Batman. Right. You remember in 1991 when Hal Jordan turned 40 and had white hair? Yeah, had white hair. White, white right streaks. Right before he went ballistic and blew up the sun. Yep. And they brought him back from the dead, and now he's eternally 29 and a half years I'm old. And 29 and, and beautiful, yeah. I don't think that they can't. Yeah. That they shouldn't. I think yeah. that they won't. And the reason they won't is because if you age a character, if you age specifically a comic book character in real time, you end up killing a lot of, a lot of what's actually fun about that comic book characters sure you know existence because they can negate time they can negate death they can ignore things that would be an actual you know a fatal glass of beer for anybody else yeah so then kind of spinning off of that has technology ruined storytelling you know back in the day well the ipad sure yeah batman has uh you know batman had all these gadgets and gizmos and they were Far out in high tech, but now you walk down the street and everybody's got technology that rivals what Batman had 20 years ago. Or you've got uh, Peter Parker needs to swing over to the phone booth to call J.J. Jameson and and, and make an excuse for why he's going to be late to the paper. Today, he just pushes a little button on his cell phone and he does it while he's swinging Mm -hmm. through the air. Uh, Has technology and stories kind of ruined how we can tell, I mean, plot device type stories? Cell phones I, have ruined some plot devices. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the horror movie. Genre. Right. That basically it makes for, uh, from a screenwriting perspective, it makes for this these extra few lines, these extra few things that you have to throw in mm-hmm. to establish that the characters are lost. You know, that, that extra throwaway line that, oh, my cell phone battery is just dead. Or, right. But it... it it makes it so it's harder and harder to justify people being alone <laughs> or people will stand back to back in the middle of the room with knives and I'll call for nine one one on my fully charged cell phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
I don't think that it's ruined it. I think that it's changed the nature of it. And I think that the fact that you and I walk down the street with full-fledged computers in our pants. I mean, something, my phone is <laughs> probably a hundred times. Oh, wait. My phone's probably a hundred times as powerful as the Apple hey, 2 GSs that we learned to program. You, when we were on those uh, 8088s in college, and people uh-huh. don't know what an 8088 is, believe me, go back and look at it, your mind will be blown. What we, have, what we have in our Android phone and our iPhone, heck, what my son has in his uh, uh, LeapFrog computer program <laughs> has more computing yep. power than those 8088s did what we did, you know, 20 years ago. You want to ago. know something really scary? What? The ignition key for my Chrysler LHS has more computing power oh, I'm sure. than an Apple II GS. Yeah. The key to my car is a more powerful computer than the things that I learned to program Fortran on 50,000 years ago. So, I mean, it, it changes the nature of it, but I think, you know, that's all kind of, that's Rococo of the story. You have to, you have to, you know, ignore the Rococo crap and you have to say, you know, okay, Batman in 1938 carried a gun and ran around in an auto gyro. That's not necessarily going to fly in 2011. Batman now has, you know, a super taser laser gun Mm -hmm. and uh, a light cycle from Tron. You know, or or uh, what was it? The episode of Batman Incorporated recently, where we revisited Heap Big Chief Man of Bats. Yeah, yeah. And he's all of a sudden this tough guy on a motorcycle running through the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, because they couldn't play it straight like they did in the 1950s. Still, basically the same character. He's basically, you know, a Native American version of Batman. He's basically a Batman with Native American trappings. And the Legionary is still Italian Batman. And, you know, Wingman is still Finland's Batman. Or wherever he's from, I don't know. I think that the stories themselves don't change. But once again, that timelessness, it allows us to pretend that Batman has always had a cell phone. Sure. I mean, or, well, or, okay, so, but that's a good, okay. So, should certain characters not be updated for modern times. And by that, I mean, mean like the Doc awful, Savage? that's what I mean. Doc Savage and <laughs> the spirit. Yep. I mean, should when, I mean, on the front first wave was a great idea. And I think there were more than a few people excited about the announcement of we're bringing back the spirit. We're bringing back Doc Savage. We're bringing back, uh, uh, Blackhawks. We're bringing back, um, yep. the Avenger. You know, all of that stuff. And then it's like, yes, we're bringing back Doc Savage and we're taking all of the 1930s and 40s ideas of what Doc Savage was and we're plopping it into a timeless period where you, on the one hand, they're flying around in an auto gyro, but at the same time, they're communicating with one another with their iPhones. The the spirit story, and I think it was a Darwin book. It was the very first one. Where yep, they fell where the into the sewer. Had a cell phone. Yes. Yes. And the spirit with a cell phone. And I was like, is, can you really call it the spirit if he has a cell phone? Certain characters. It's like, you know, the Justice Society tied to World War II. Doc Savage to me is tied to 1937. The Shadow tied to 1937. You know, if you take the Shadow or a Doc Savage out of their time, they're no longer super characters well but see that was one of the things that i don't know the thing about first wave is that it was not set in a definite time period it was a mishmash of time periods so you had people mm. watching black and white televisions and typing on their laptops mm. so rob what do you think should we keep some characters in their time period and others let them swing through the 70s 80s 90s and beyond The characters that have actually aged, not necessarily, but like gone through and stuck around like Batman, Superman, right, right. Spider-Man, the ones that have actually, you know, they've shown up in this time and instead of, you know, their iconic stories are all from this time, they've got you know, iconic stories, things that they've done throughout the ages, those can change. That I mean, Those have changed. I mm-hmm. think the whole reason why 
Doc Savage seems so out of place is because Doc Savage hasn't had any updated stories. He did. He didn't change. He mm-hmm. stopped when they stopped regularly creating these the stories with them, and he hasn't had that chance to change his look, change his appearance, change his outlook, change the themes the entire time that Batman has. The same with any any of the characters that we have these large gaps in where mm-hmm. they were being published where they we have creative work with them they need to stay there because they didn't have the chance to change with the times mm-hmm. matthew could you drop the shadow into a uh new 52 and have it work it would be tough you could do it and i think a place like the new 52 is the only place you could do it because you're starting everything all at once when you you know it's a fresh start, everything all different, you know, it's a whole new world. You could play with the history. You could play with the whatever you want to call it, the majesty, the mythos, if you will. But you couldn't plop him down in the middle of, say, the Marvel Universe and just have it work. In the 70s, they tried to plug the shadow into the Batman mythos when they had the rights to him. Right. And I actually did a retro review of it maybe a year or so ago. Right. And the stories are pretty well crafted, but those two stories are the only places where they ever actually say, Hey, I sure am the shadow. And I sure am, you know, Batman's authorization Delta five, whatever it is. I'm the person who inspired Batman to be Batman because it didn't really work. No matter how wonderfully they plotted it, it came down to either Batman, their primary character, comes off as the knock a knockoff of the shadow, mm-hmm. or the shadow plays second figure second fiddle. I am really, really sleepy. The shadow plays second fiddle to the character that he himself inspired right. in Batman. Either way, you're kind of doing both characters a disservice. By aging characters, realistically, you kind of you kind of mess up the thing about comics that is fun. But if you were to take a character, say a Doc Savage who's tied to that time frame, you can do a sa- a Doc Savage or a story of the Shadow in present time. Howard Chaykin did it in that Shadow series that. Street and Smith said, oh, no, 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 no. When they brought him into the future and got his head cut off. Right. And his his sons were rock stars and they stuck his head on a robot. And Didn't work, just did went, it? Oh, it worked. It, worked. it was wonderful storytelling. It was <laughs> whack jobbery of, you know, the the finest order. But more importantly, it was a story where. Not only did the fans go, is this really the shadow? The guys who owned the shadow went unequivocally not and knock it off right now. Licensed Jack wagons. Yeah. I don't know. So both of those questions have perplexed me. I mean, that's like on the one hand, you know, as a young kid, it's you see Batman at 35 and you're like, or 30 or whatever he is. Uh, I'm going to aspire to be Batman someday. Batman's cool. I'm going to grow up and be Batman, right? And then you turn into 40 and you're like, man, that Batman punk, young kids don't know Jack. You know, it's it's not like Batman is aging with you or anything. That's It's like you've you've passed. It's, it's kind of like the old saying about, do you know when you're too old to read Playboy is when you're older than the Playmates that are in there? So it's like. So 19. Yeah. You, you're you're 11 and you're looking at 19 year old hot girls and you're like hubba hubba and then you're 21 and you're like yeah those are 19 year old girls and it, and it kind of sometimes I get that feeling with with some comic book characters it's like I've outgrown you in in age because you haven't aged with me you haven't I you know we haven't shared those experiences together or whatever so uh, Calvin what and, and it's probably is. a good reason why Calvin and Hobbes never continued you know because you'd hate to see Calvin. Try to age if Watterson ever aged. (laughs) I mean, they have tried, you know, that there have been some people that have uh, jokingly done, jokingly done Calvin at 40 or whatever. Um, Yeah, he grew up to be Tyler Durden. But the other problem is that the, uh, the whole technology thing sometimes bugs me a lot as well. And I'm interested to see what the listeners have to say. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. 
find the uh, find the link to the show. I probably put it in the show notes somewhere. And let's share your thoughts. Share your thoughts on should characters age? Should characters not age? Should they stay the same? Should and, is technology a hamper in in telling good stories or not? And is all of this discussion basically Stephen starting to have a midlife crisis? About oh the no, no 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 no! I had a midlife crisis <laughs> when I was thirty. Um, so you're only going to live till you're sixty. Well, you know, to be honest, you know, they say that when your wisdom teeth are pulled, that's basically half your life. And I was worried when 36 rolled around. I was like, oh, crap. Here it comes. 36, I still 36, have my 36. wisdom teeth. 36, 36. And Same I was worried here. as hell about that. So. so that means that I should be able to live for at least another 41 years because I have my wisdom teeth. Depends on when they now, get I had a couple out. of molars pulled out. And uh, I, I oh, did well, molars, one of that's, my front That's like three quarters of your life right there. I lost that's just because you got a bad dental plan. The Undertaker plan. That's threw what... me off the cage back in 96. <laughs> that's because you've got a bad dental plan. Uh, the other thing that I had a question about is the company's style, right? Uh, when we look at the, the perfect example of what I say a company style is you look at a Dynamite Entertainment book. And they've all got the heavy, the heavy ink style. They've all kind of got the same... Um, all of the books kind of look alike. Yes, they may have different mm -hmm. artists, but there tends to be a house style with there's Dynamite Entertainment. There's a sameness to the production. Right? Yeah, and, the, and there's a sameness to the production in Xenoscope Entertainment. When you look at that stuff, you know what you're going to get, and sure enough, every issue, that's what you're going to get. And part of it might Those be printing. Sure are boobies. Some of it might be printing, you know, in, in the heavy inks in some books and, and the finer colors in others. But even with... um. Even with Marvel, when you see a particular company doing all of the coloring for Marvel books, they tend to start getting the same look, even though it's a different artist working on stuff. Is a house style or publisher style a good thing or a bad thing, or is it something that people don't even notice? Rob? I can't say that I noticed for the big two, because mm -hmm. they've, 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 they've got enough going on that there's... yeah. You can pick up three different books and you right. can tell that completely different people. Right. I think it's actually a good thing for things like Xenoscope and Dynamite, especially Xenoscope, where three fourths of what they're putting out is part of the Grim universe. Right. Having that cohesive whole, having that cohesive look for the entirety of the line. <laughs> Get your head out of the gutters there, Peterson. <sighs> but having having that cohesive look is Good. It makes it so you feel the universe is even more interconnected mm -hmm. when they're trying to build the uni the new universe. I think with the new fifty two, they probably could have gone that way to give the universe an even more cohesive feel, mm -hmm. as if everything looked the same. But unfortunately, we got hundreds or well, not hundreds, obviously, but <laughs> you know, so many different artists and some of them fantastic, and some of them Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Why I think I they did. To, to some degree, I think they did that. Even Rob Liefeld, you know, the, the production that Stephen refers to, you know, those secondary coloring or inking or, you know, the cues of the way the book is laid out or the, the breakdown of the coloring, it definitely feels like it's of a piece, even, you know, the god-awful Hawk and Dove series. But you also have to look at, we ask whether it's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing. For years, literally decades, it was neither good nor bad. It was simply the way it ran. Sure. A, a Silver Age DC book, and you walk in there and you say, okay, this is a Silver Age DC book. You open it and you go, oh, this one's edited by Bob Koeniger. Mm -hmm. This one's edited by, uh, you know, the, the Superman guy. What's his face with the head? I can't remember his name Kirby? now because it's really late. No. <laughs> the editor, Mort Weisinger. Oh, oh Okay. You know a Weisinger book, and sure. not just because it has a Kurt Swan cover. Right. That's the way things work. Back in the day, with the, you know, the 1940s, Will Eisner, at the Eisner-Iger Studios, did work for all sorts of companies. He did work for Quality. They did work for Fiction House. They did work for Harry A. Chesler. But you could always tell an Eisner-Iger joint. Because of what they did with the, you know, the art, with the stories, mm -hmm. with the inking, you can always tell who does what. And for a long time, you know, if you picked up a Dell comic, it was a Dell comic. 
Right. It looked like a Dell comic. The 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 number on the cover made no freaking sense whatsoever. Certainly wasn't an issue number. I don't know what it was, but it existed, you know. That right. notion of a house style has only really gone away since probably the Bronze Age. Mm. You know, if it, one well, of the complaints I w- that I remember hearing about Superman Batman or excuse me, Superman Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, in the early 80s when I actually was exposed to it was it didn't feel like a DC book. It felt like a Marvel book. Right. Well, I, I would you guys really sit down. I mean, you guys have access to everything that Dynamite's putting out. Mm-hmm. Sit down and go through those pages of stuff that they send us. And you'll look. Warlord of Mars has the same style as Vampirilla that has the same style as a Bionic Man that has the same style as whatever. Now, granted, Vampirilla is going to be a little bit more hussied up than Steve Austin is. Hussied But... <laughs> If you look at how the inks are implied and the colors that are used, you start to see this, this style. And hussied up. yep, hussied up. Um, now the the thing is when, and maybe it's just particular to maybe image and dynamite and xenoscope, uh, because maybe those are the ones that I focus more on. But suddenly, when that house style changes in an issue, does that freak you out? And maybe, Matthew, you already answered that with a Batman-Spider-Man thing. Mm. It, it can be problematic. But I think it's more problematic for people who are genre-savvy, first of all, to the point where they think, wow, you know, this book feels like a Xenoscope book. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would never have a thought like that. Because a lot of people don't think about the guys who make comics. They think this is a great Wolverine story. You know, this is a great Superman or a crappy Superman story. They don't think uh, George Perez is getting on in years and he had a lot of fun with this issue, but maybe he's not what he was in 1967. Well, I guess uh, another good example is um, Blue Water Productions. We all know what their stuff looks like, right? When Boom Studios put out that, uh, was it Obama? That Obama piece that Rodrigo reviewed. It uh-huh. looks like a Blue Water Productions book. And to me, that totally bothered me because I'm like, that's not what Boom Studios is. You know, that that style that they're doing looks like another company, which I'm not going to say is inferior or superior, but it looks like another company. And that, in my mind, harmed the Boom Studios brand in my mind. It, da- it damaged their brand identity. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, that that again would be something where you kind of have to have a mindset to think about brand identity, which, you know, you do. I do. And I wouldn't necessarily not think that because I'm weird, but you also look at something like, let's say you love Blue Water Productions. And and you were maybe so-so. You were so-so on Boom. Yeah. And you found this Boom title that was just like the Blue Water Productions books that you loved. That might actually work to your advantage in True. that you can you can play to an existing audience of another company, maybe steal some of their readers and steal some of their, you know, a little bit of the cash out of their pocket. It might be a good thing for you depending on how you look at it. True. True, true. Any now Rob thoughts, has Rob? to talk for 45 seconds. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's in your contract, man. Go back and read it. Fine print. Page 32, subparagraph B, <laughs> section A, 1. Says, Kirk, we got to poop. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm more of a uh, surface. Surface person. Person, yeah. yeah. That's fine. I don't know that I would even notice a change from comic to comic like there's been times where i didn't realize artists changed Mm -hmm. until i well we were talking about that on the other episode with the uh cory walker and ryan otley yeah yeah i I definitely wouldn't notice that if i I won't notice that when brian finishes picking up the invincible trades and i actually get to read them Mm -hmm. i it's not going to be something that really affects me unless it's a massive difference 
sure I can tell where some of the uh, companies are, but I, I don't think it would phase me if, you know, suddenly this comic was presented differently. And I mean, I might care. I might, I might make it better. It might make it worse, but I don't think it's a big problem or a big deal for a company to change how they look for a single issue or mm-hmm. for their entire run. Okay. Fair enough. Anything else you guys want to add? Any uh, big topic ideas for the week? <laughs> Gotta poo. <laughs> I think that as we lead into the best and worst of 2011. Coming up on Tuesdays or Wednesday coming show. Coming up on Tuesday. I should just I start doing it with important. issue 372. 372. I think it's important that we kind of get an idea of, you know, what people really, really loved in 2011. But also, you know, we're, we're not here to say this was the worst and we hated it, that it sucks. Well, it's our opinions, obviously. Well, absolutely. But it's also the question of sometimes things happen and you're like, this was the worst of the year because it had such potential and then it fell apart. Right. Or this was the worst of the year because, you know. The woman who was going to be on that last episode of As the World Turns passed away before they could do it. You know, we want it. We we're definitely going to say this thing sucks. We we say that a lot. We're oh, also going to say Kirkman got a because that's my new meme, Robert. We're so I sorry. will not lie. I will not lie until 4chan has taken this and turned it into a new Rick Roll. <laughs> I'm trying to think okay. how Rage Comics would uh, do something with this. I don't know. Any, yes, we do want uh, listeners to provide some input into the best and worst of 2011. What was great? Was it uh, some movie that blew you out of the water and was the best thing that you ever saw? Avatar. Could be that. First class. First class. X-Men first class. Yeah, okay. Could be, you know, could be that. Could be your, what was the best comic book to come out in 2011? What was the worst comic book that came out in 2011? What had the biggest potential and then stumbled at the one yard line? What? Ultimatum. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Was that 2011? Um, I might as well have been. (laughs) Actually, Ultimatum, I believe, was 2009. Yeah. Um, you know, what worked and what didn't work. We want you to provide your feedback. Uh, right there on the front page of Majorspoilers.com, on the right side, there is the nominate your best and worst of 2011 PyCon. We'll take you over to the Major Spoilers forum. Just post them there. Or, better yet, we want to really get as many voice comments from you that we can scatter throughout the episode. So please call the Major Spoilers hotline. That number, 785 727 one nine three nine. Nineteen thirty nine or really big shoe. Call and leave a message. Let us know. Oh, by the by the way, Ed Sullivan also got a poo. <laughs> and by that I think Matthew's bladder is full of beer and he needs to let it out. A really, a really big poo. <laughs> All right, everybody, we're going to uh, leave it there. Maybe that's what Matthew's been hinting at this entire time. Instead of Kirkman, got a poo. It's Matthew, got a poo. Oh, too late. <laughs> Kirkman. Clean up. <laughs> what clean up and I am shouting for Kirkman. Oh, my God, Robert. We're so sorry. So sorry you're welcome on the show at any time. And listeners, we're so glad uh, we like having you each and every week on the show spread the what, word let people know about the uh, podcast let people know about critical hit which you can find rob on every week providing torment to both matthew and rodrigo Jerk. tell Brian, people about top five <laughs> i really don't care you don't really give me that much grief because you're an elf and i don't i don't like elves so there you go um <laughs> Uh, tell people about Top 5, our countdown show. Tell people about the website. Tell people about the forums. Share this podcast with someone. If you, if, if, you th- <laughs> if you think Kirkman pooping is funny, send it to somebody. If you're laughing out loud at work and people are looking at you funny, go, it's major spoilers. Check it out. It's the best. Do it. Let's spread the word. Let's see if we can double our numbers for all of our podcasts in 2012. Let's see if we can double them. And I'm not going to tell you what number we're looking at. I know. But the only way we can double them is to get people out there listening. I'd also like to see 
double the number of people uh, donating to the Major Spoilers uh, cause this year in 2012. You can make a donation, one-time donation, which somebody donated, Rob, we have to talk, somebody donated a crap ton of money just so that more game uh, video game reviews can be done. Nice. Coulter will be on that now that he has a lot less work to do. He's didn't quite graduate this semester, but he's got one class next semester, so he can actually do get video game reviews again. So you can do a one-time donation, or, listeners, you can do a recurring donation, and recurring donations are really helpful, too, because it ensures there's a steady stream of money coming in. Two, five, ten dollars a month. We appreciate everybody who does it. If you donate ten dollars or more, you get a show dedicated to you. Shout out, right at the top. That you do. All right, that's it. We will see you in episode 372 when we talk about the best and the worst of 2011. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you very soon. Maybe sooner than you think. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's Ray Vision of a Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Being in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011